This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The finals. Who out there outside of South Floridians is saying right now out loud, oh yeah, I'll take the heat to win. Nobody's saying that. But sometimes teams have a chemistry. They have a belief. I think from top to bottom, both of these teams have immense playoff and championship presence. Denver is a far better team. I have them winning. I won't be surprised if Miami challenges or if they go on the win. Hey man, Jimmy gonna walk in there and he gonna go who? ESPN Radio is your home for the NBA Finals. Be sure to tune in for Game 1 tonight, presented by Indeed. Coverage beginning 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on most ESPN Radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat walking into a ball arena in Denver momentarily Two hours and 28 minutes until tip-off. Listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, sitting in for the guys, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Pleased to welcome in the voice you'll hear tonight for coverage of Game 1 on ESPN Radio. It's Mark Kestisher. And, and Kesty, I, I know how many of these hits you've done today. We appreciate you jumping on with us to help preview a little bit. Our last chance to preview the NBA Finals before we tip off eight seven thirty p.m. eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. And I know that you were on the call for the Western Conference Finals, which feels like an eternity ago because that game wrapped up in on Monday, May twenty second, in four. How how does that feel just in terms of getting back into the swing of things for the Denver Nuggets, knowing they've had 10 days off and the Heat have only had a cup of coffee before they had to get on the flight to go out to Denver? Yeah, Courtney, I'm fascinated to see uh, if it has any effect at all. I mean, there's no doubt that you can't replicate uh, NBA speed, you know, when you're not playing every other, every third day. And it's good to get a rest. And, you know, there was a time where, you know, they figured, all right, it's Miami, let's go. You know, we, we could start putting the game plan in. And then, you know, game five and game six happen. And I'm sure they were scouting both teams anyway. But now you're doing a little bit of both. And, you go to game seven and maybe you start thinking, oh, it's going to be Boston. Come on, they're at home. They're going to win this thing. And it ends up being Miami. And so, you know, there was a little bit of scatter there. I think um, traditionally, this is what I've always remembered. This is my 20th finals. Uh, you know, the first uh, 13 were as a studio host. And I, I don't have any data to back it up, but it always feels the, at least the first quarter is a mess both ways because, you know, both teams are – jamming in everything they want to do and trying to get it on the right page. And it always looks like a little bit of a mess. So I think Denver being off for 10, Miami, uh, all the battles they've had and coming off a seven-game slugfest, and we're at altitude, you know, maybe it's a little bit ugly in the first 12 minutes or so. Will that be enough to counteract, you know, Denver to get their legs back together? We'll find out. Uh, Cassie, we've been talking at times throughout the day, and I'm sure it's something you've heard or discussed on your myriad of hits on other shows. But uh, the impact altitude has—I mean, I, I, you know—we we actually talked about it on on SportsCenter this morning. Denver has the highest altitude of any arena in the NBA, and Miami is the second lowest, only to uh, to New Orleans. Just the impact that either people are talking about that you've felt personally. Mark, just being there in the arena and walking around, just what it feels like to have to exert yourself at a high level there. I, I think, look, there's no doubt there is an effect. Um, I think it's more a psychological effect, you know, from what I can gather. Obviously, I haven't run up and down a court 
uh, for 48 minutes, you know, since high school, and that was a long time ago. So it's you know it's hard for me to figure out exactly uh, how much exertion, lack of oxygen. Uh, everyone tells me, uh, especially I have some runner friends who are on the ESPN crew here, and they go out for jogs in the morning, and they say it's more dehydration than anything else, you know, than altitude sickness or lack of oxygen. It's definitely a real thing, but I do think, look, they put the 5280 uh, down the free throw lanes, you know, to make sure the other team sees it. There's at least two or three signs in the um, bowels of ball arena that you see when you're walking toward the court just to remind you that you're at altitude. And I think, you know, you can – get a little bit out of breath naturally. And all of a sudden you think, is this altitude? (laughs) Next thing you know, you're breathing a little bit heavier. So um, I'm convinced Jimmy Butler could go 48 minutes at 10,000 feet altitude. Uh, So it probably won't affect him. There's got to be some effect, but I really think it's the mental part that, uh, that, that the guys try to stay away from. Well, maybe in the future they will put games on top of Mount Everest to see if Jimmy Butler and the Miami <laughs> Heat will be able to perform the way that they have in these game ones. We know that they've won every game one that they've played so far in this postseason. They would become the first team in NBA history to start out with four wins in this series. So we'll see if Miami's able to do that tonight. Mark Kestisher, ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer, will be on the call for game one of the NBA Finals with Doris Burke, P.J. Carlissimo, and Roz Gold on Wood A. The news that came out from Woj earlier sounds like there's some real optimism that Tyler Hero, who has been out for the majority of this postseason with a fractured hand, could actually be coming back sooner rather than later. We had initially heard Game 3 was the possibility. Now it sounds like things are trending towards Game 2. What's the latest on, on what the Heat are saying about his potential return? Well, when we got a chance to huddle with uh, Eric Spolstra yesterday, uh, after we did our recorded interview, I made sure to ask just, uh, you know, what's he doing? Roz also uh, followed up with, you know, can you tell us exactly what he's doing? And, and Spo said, basically, he's doing everything he needs to do. He's able to handle the ball. He's able to shoot the ball. But then, of course, he looked at us, and like any other coach, NBA or otherwise, he said, ask us, you know, is he playing tomorrow? And we're like, no. And he goes, well, then I don't care. You know, if, he, if he's playing, then I'll think about it. But – uh, the reality is, and I had a friend of mine who's um, uh, one of the Heat beat writers, and remember Tyler got injured in Milwaukee in game one of that first round series. Tyler's from Milwaukee, and the Heat had um, asked if he would have the surgery the next day because, hey, if we you know somehow make this deep run, maybe come back for the finals. And uh, he wanted to hang out on the bench with his guys because – you know, they won that game one, and he wanted to be there for support. And at that point, you're thinking, you know, look, you just barely made the, the play-in. What are the real chances we'll get to the finals? And so he had the surgery after they got back to Miami, which is three or four days later. So you do the math all these months later, and you're like, well, maybe those two or three days are the difference between game one and game three. Uh, but it sounds like he's close, and if Woj is saying he's pushing for game two, uh, that's a pretty darn good source. Uh, so I would not be shocked if he could work his way in. And a lot of it also depends on what happens tonight, too, because I think one of the biggest keys in this series is can Miami keep Denver in the 110 to 115-point range? I don't think the Heat have enough scoring if it's going to be 120 or 125. And so if they can't suppress Denver and they need more offense, then Tyler Hero, if he can go, then you know you take a chance and put him in there for game two if you need him. Talking about the two scoring pillars that we know we're going to see from Denver and Nikola Jokic and, and Jamal Murray, they seem to be saying all the right things. Hey, we haven't proven anything yet. I'm, 
it's easier, Cassidy, to focus on the underdog mentality, and there's no denying who that is. I mean, that's the Miami Heat and have been, you know, for, for four rounds now. But how is Denver an unproven team? You know, this group has not played together on the NBA final stage the way the Heat have. How is Denver handling being the favorite in this role? I think they're taking a cue from Michael Malone, and that is to talk up Miami. They're not an eight seed. They're really good. All, all they're talking about is true. I mean, they're, they're playing way better than an eight seed. Probably should have had uh, more wins if they had been healthier for the first two-thirds of the season. And we had Jamal Murray uh, in our interview room yesterday, and we, I saw Jokic's press conference with the media. And, you know, there's no smiles. There's no, hey, we're glad to be at the finals. I think that they have for 10 days talked themselves into we have done nothing yet, and I don't even want to talk about it. Like Jimmy Butler, I don't even want to touch that trophy. I want to touch the other one. And so I think that's the interesting thing about this series is that even though they go about it offensively and defensively different, they're both connected the same way. You know, they both take cues from longtime head coaches the same way. Mm-hmm. There's a ego that is, you know, left at the door. And even though Jokic is a two-time MVP, you know, he doesn't treat himself any different, you know, than the 17th guy on the roster. And so and I, I see a lot of similarity in both teams. I think they really believe it. Deep down, they have to know they've got the deeper roster. They've got the bigger roster. They've right. got home court. They've got altitude, et cetera, et cetera. They had all this rest. Um, but I think if you want to win a championship – you can't uh, you can't worry about who that team you're facing is on the other side. It could be a you know ten All Star Miami Heat LeBron James team you know from a decade ago, or a Miami Heat team that they watched in Game Seven pummel Boston on the road. So I think they've really talked themselves into it and and believe it. Momentum versus rest. That is the equation for tonight's Game 1. Denver, a nine-point favorite, playing at home at altitude. Tip-off, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time over on ABC. And right here on ESPN Radio, where you will hear Mark Kestisher and crew on the call for Nuggets and Heat. Kesty, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good being on with you. And I better drive the ball 300-plus tomorrow on our off day. (laughs) I I want to take advantage of this altitude, because if I don't, then it's a myth. Thin air is uh, an advantage for all of us in our golf game. So when we have you back next week, we very much expect to hear about a great round that you had on your off day. I will take pictures. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You are listening to Canty and Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon right ahead of Game 1. But that's not the only thing we are focused on in the NBA. The Boston Celtics, a team that the Miami Heat beat in seven games to get to the NBA Finals, they had exit interviews today. And at the center of all of it is Brad Stevens who says that Joe Mazzulla is going to return as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Here's Brad Stevens, the president of basketball operation for the Celtics, on how Mazzulla progressed in year one and what's expected beyond this season. Brad, is Joe Mazzulla the best head coach for this team going forward? And if so, why? Yeah, I think he is. And I thought he, again, did a really good job with this group. He'll only get better at anything that you know, he can learn from this year because he's constantly trying to learn. That was Brad Stevens on Joe Mazzula mm-hmm. and what he presents going forward. And I think that's probably the most political answer you're going to get from the president of basketball operations. We'll remember that 
Missoula was Steven's guy, handpicked after Ime Udoka was, you know, suspended indefinitely at the beginning of the season, well before the beginning of the season. And Missoula got a contract extension right in the middle of this thing. He leads the Boston Celtics as a number two seed into the NBA playoffs. They have a 57 and 25 record. But there was a lot of questions about his ability in games to adjust. And of course, the timeout strategy and all of that came into the forefront in the 76ers series. It came again into the forefront against the Miami Heat. And I don't think that we are talking about this. I know we're not talking about it had they gotten swept, but there was no other option for the Boston Celtics than to retain Joe Missoula after he got this team back into this thing, despite the fact that they lost, and they lost in a clunker in Game 7. It, you know, it wasn't just how they were losing, uh, or rather, it wasn't just that they were losing, it was how they were losing. So for a while, when it did appear, Joe Missoula uh, was very much on a hot seat, despite the extension that he'd gotten, and a, a relatively, I mean, team-friendly extension compared to the the money that Monty Williams received um, in his latest deal here, but or even that, that Nick Nurse received, but... Um, it was it was that they were losing in a way where he was responsible. Like he had to wear these losses. His lack of calling a timeout, the fact that the team spit the bit um, there down the stretch and in Game Three and just looked like they wanted to to get back to the team hotel uh, in Miami. You know, blowing that lead the way they did in Game Two in Boston. The fact that they had a losing overall record on their home floor in the playoffs. Um, it all it, it, it added up to, especially with viable, experienced candidates on the coaching market, it added up to a, a, a reopening of the coaching search. And then the fact that they got up off the deck and they fought the way they did saved his job. The fact that Brad Stevens sort of, you know, to draw upon Ted Lasso, like he was the wonder kid, right, um, in the NBA, the fact that he blessed Joe Missoula the way he did. But I want to say this, in Game 6, down the stretch, and that's the game that the Celtics won in Miami to force a Game 7, and all of the positive momentum, you know, Derek White saves the season with the tip-in at the end. The reason it even got to that point, remember the Celtics were up 10 with less than five minutes to play. The reason it got to that point, in part, is because there was an 11-3 to run by the Miami Heat where Joe Mazzulla, again, did not call a timeout. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a late, crucial run, and for a while, save from that three-second tip-in by Derek White, for a while, it looked like their season, the Celtics season, was once again going to be crystallized in this sort of microcosm where... It was going to come down to the fact that their head coach did not help them out when they needed it, didn't give them the break, that it put upon the shoulders of Marcus Smart to sort of be the coach by extension, almost a player coach who was out there calling timeouts from the floor at times during the NBA Finals. These are these are adjustments that happen in November and December as the team is adjusting to the loss of Ime Udoka and the fact that Joe Mazzulla is sort of thrust into this thrusted you know into this this role here. It can't happen on the NBA final stage. So is Joe Mazzulla the best coach for this team? No, he's not. Is Joe Mazzulla the pick now by Brad Stevens, sink or swim? Yeah, and now Stevens' tenure with the Celtics is tied to this because they have a two-year window here with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that just through the cost of their contracts. I mean, Jalen Brown is, is eligible for a Supermax that's worth $295 million over five years. It's an average annual value of $59 million for a guy who had more turnovers, eight, in Game 7 than the jersey he wears. You know, like... This is there. There is such pressure now on a guy who is headed into his second NBA head coaching season. So no, he's not the right coach, but they're stuck with him. It's hard to believe that a player who went eight for twenty-three from the floor in Game Seven 
needed to pick up some of the slack when Jason Tatum ends up having to leave the game and all of the other things that we didn't see from Jalen Brown to prove he is worthy of that five-year, $295 million Supermax extension that the Boston Celtics are able to give him this offseason. The only team that's able to give him an amount that big, I don't feel like it's a foregone conclusion that he's back, but hear from Brad Stevens on what he believes Jalen Brown's future is with the Boston Celtics. Jalen had a great year, all-NBA year. He's a big part of us moving forward in our eyes. A big part of us (sighs) moving forward. I don't know if that's the kiss of death right there, but they they can offer him that. Will they? (sighs) That's the question. They they have to. Uh, I, I live I live in the in the in the Boston suburbs, so I, I feel decent. I'm with you. I think they're I think they're going to. I don't yeah. think it's because I mean, when you have that option, guy makes second team All NBA. It's an awful look if you don't, and he'll go somewhere else and he'll right. you know sign in free agency. But should they? The amount that they could potentially he invest in like keeping a duo that's good, not great around. Ideally, you want someone who can dribble. You know, ideally. Ideally, you want someone who's not a dribbling liability when he goes to create his own shot. He is an offensive talent, to be sure. There are times where he has defensive lapses, where he truly loses, it it appears, he loses interest on the defensive end of the basketball. And this team, at its core, has a defensive identity. But he can't, he is a defensive liability. The Miami Heat have attacked him now in two separate postseasons. The Golden State Warriors won a title because they figured out that they could double him and swarm him and cause errant passes, if not outright turnovers. Like he, That is a part of his game that has not gotten better now at age 26. And eventually, Courtney, you age out of the, oh, well, he's young. Oh, well, he's learning. Well, imagine what next season. He'll continue to take steps. At some point, there are no more steps to take, whether through personal limitation, whatever it is. And I, I, I worry that he's getting to his peak, which is great, and it's second-team All-NBA. But if that's what he is with your season on the line, I think, I think you've learned what you need to know about him. So what I was going to say about living in Boston, it's hard for Boston to recruit these, these stars. They, they, they really do have to be homegrown because of some of the pressures, some of the stigma, whatever it is that Boston has. So you can't let him go, but to be that strapped cash-wise because of his contract for what you know his limitations are, it it does kind of feel like contractual purgatory for the Celtics. So we don't know if he'll be there just yet. That's a free agency question that we have to get to. But there is a player that the Houston Rockets, excuse me, that the... Houston, yeah, that the Houston Rockets want to end up, excuse me, 76ers want to end up keeping next year. There are some Houston Rockets ties in here. I'm going to explain all of that and more and how James Harden might find his way elsewhere in free agency. Coming up next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Two hours from tip-off of game one of the NBA Finals. You're going to hear it right here on ESPN Radio, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Still time to get your picks in. MVP, who's going to win the series outright? Let us know. CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, sitting in for the guys on Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you're going to love. Visit Progressive.com slash careers. So a lot of movement in the NBA this offseason, or at least what's beginning for the offseason for several teams, including the Philadelphia 76ers. They have a new head coach. It's Nick Nurse. He used to coach the uh, the Toronto Raptors, and now he is trying to keep the core together in Philadelphia. There's been some rumors about where James Harden is going to go, whether it's the Houston Rockets, whether it's staying in Philadelphia, it all comes to a head this summer because he's going to be a free agent. Now, I know that there is the belief that he might actually be a good fit back in Houston. We'll get into that, Randy. I don't exactly know why people believe that considering where he is at this point of his career. But when Nick Nurse was asked about James Harden returning, this is what he had to say. Better at the end of those two months. And do you want James Harden round. back? Pardon me? Do you want James Harden back? James Harden's a great player. That yep. didn't answer the question. Well, I would say this is that James has a decision to make. I'd be very happy if he came back. Okay, so wow. sidestepping the question there, I love the Philly media member who went right back at him. That just shows you what kind of market they're in there. Welcome so to welcome Philly. to Philly, yeah. Nick Nurse. Yeah. We know we know that James Harden signed that two-year, $68.6 million contract to remain with the 76ers last offseason, but he's got the player option for next year. So that means it kind of becomes difficult for the Philadelphia 76ers to retain him if he ends up declining that. Now... I understand the the element for Nick Nurse and saying what he said. You're not going to like write off James Harden right now and say, yeah, we don't care if he comes back. Exercise that option. Get out of here. Go score nine points in a closeout game somewhere else. I don't know how this is beneficial for the Philadelphia 76ers because, if anything, 
the narrative around playoff James Harden is that he cannot close it out in the clutch, that he ends up disappearing and fading. And that's exactly what we ended up seeing from him in the series uh, against the Miami, against the, you know, this past year, like this past, like two, a month ago now. And we look mm-hmm. at it and say, I don't exactly think that this is going to replicate itself, whether he was playing for a different team, whether he was playing another team, not named the Boston Celtics in that series. <laughs> and I just I look at it and say it's a bad move for Philly if they end up trying to trying to trying to like persuade him to stay. Uh, so uh, it's a bad move financially. And I think you could make the argument that that is your deciding factor. Like you, you, you could take the chemistry off of it. Here's the thing, like. Guys like playing with James. Guys guys like playing with James. Um, it is kind of the Kyrie Irving thing where w- us from the outside, we look at it and we say, man, he's rust on a boat. You know, he's a locker room this. He's whatever. He sinks the franchises, you know, that he goes to. But there are guys in the league who love playing with him. James Harden has friends in the league. Russell Westbrook is one of his friends. I mean, they came up together in in OKC, but they had other stops in Houston and they've they've locked horns and they've but, you know headbutted about things, but they hang out. They are they are friends. And so I I just say that to say like we can look at man, this guy disappears in game 7s. This guy's unreliable. There is no game 7 in that series against the the Celtics without James Harden. I mean, his his performance in game 1, you know, he he won two games. James Harden has made himself a lot of money, and I'm I'm not a James Harden fan by any means, but he's made himself a lot of money. He's proven he can still score at an elite level, uh, even though the league has sort of adjusted to his free-throw hunting strategies. I feel like NBA officials have adjusted to that as well, but he is still capable of winning you games in the postseason. I look at contracts, though, for this coming season where we know the NBA salary cap is going to be about $134 million. And yeah, you can go above it two aprons worth, you know, you can go sort of uh, two uh, extra layers of it, but there are stiff penalties if you do that. So let's just put it at $134 million. James Harden, for the 23-24 season, you're talking about a $36 million salary. And he's already opted out of that. So James, you know, Tobias Harris is at, don't forget, they've made some colossally poor decisions financially. And one of them being Tobias Harris, who's at, Thirty-nine million dollars, and Joel Embiid's at forty-six. Obviously, you pay Joel, but we're entering a, a, a time in the league where you can really, really only afford to pay a couple of superstars. Ryan Rosillo and, and actually Bill Simmons went uh, a deep dive in one of their podcasts on this, and it is sort of you get away from a big three because you can't pay a big three anymore. And, and I just say that to say James Harden commanding more than thirty-five million dollars makes him cost prohibitive. So I think you are stuck with Tobias for this season. You're, you're obviously going to roll with Embiid for the next several seasons. That's kind of where you're at. So to me, you're not very happy, Nick Nurse, if James Harden stays because financially it cripples your team. They've got to extend Tyrese Maxey too, right? Like, I mean, that seems like a surefire yeah. thing that they're yeah. probably going to do. I don't know if he's going to end up signing a max deal, but the contributions that they have gotten from him, not just this season, but the season, you know, prior seasons, especially last year too, when they were trying to figure, you know, a struggling team under Doc Rivers trying to get out of the second round. You can't look past the role that he has played in a multitude of different roles for this Philadelphia 76ers team. Now, 
I I look at this situation and I think, okay, Nick Nurse is selling us a, a bill of goods right now. Of course he's going to say that he'd be very happy if James Harden returns, but he didn't take that job for James Harden. He took that job because he wants to coach Joel Embiid, which he is going to be there to do. Now, will he be able to break this sort of second-round curse that they have and get this team out of the conference semifinals? That remains to be seen. But there is a situation right now between two teams that are not playing in the finals, both out of the Eastern Conference, Boston and Philadelphia, who have movement within, you know, right now, obviously coaching movement with Mm -hmm. the new head coach in in Philadelphia, Nick Nurse, but some questions that remain for the Boston Celtics. You and I were talking about what Brad Stevens said earlier today, that he has confidence in Joe Mazzulla going forward. But we don't know what they're going to do with Jalen Brown. And if that is the right move to end up signing him to that five-year, $295 million Supermax and trying to run this thing back with the roster as is. The problem I see with both of these teams in their future, and I can't take credit for this because somebody brought up the analogy earlier in the week after Boston ended up losing to the Miami Heat on Monday. The idea that you have two players like a... Jason Tatum, like a Jalen Brown, and then on the other side of it, James Harden and Joel Embiid. All four, superior in their own right, in a lot of different ways. You brought up James Harden and what he did in Game 1, without Joel Embiid, mind you, and then other moments throughout the Eastern Conference semifinals where he did look like the player of old. Mm -hmm. All of them great in their own right. Do they make each other better, though? Is it like two radio hosts that might not be in the same cities but have enough chemistry between them to make it not sound like take-your-turn radio? (laughs) Hopefully that's what you and I are doing right now, and hopefully that's what we continue to do because I've definitely hosted shows with people where it's like my turn to hold the ball, your turn to hold the ball. Sure. That's how it feels watching all four of those guys with their two respective teams play basketball. So, frankly... I don't know who I have more confidence in as far as the future is, is you know, the respect of that, because I don't think that keeping either of these two units together yeah. with those two is, is the right move. So to answer, so style-wise, give me Harden and Embiid over Jalen Brown and I, w- I agree Jason with that Tatum wholeheartedly together. if you're making me take that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a more complimentary way. I truly believe James Harden un- helps unlock some of what Joel Embiid is capable of. Now, Embiid was was healthier through the season. He was dominant, and he was an MVP and a deserving one. Uh, but, you know, James Harden averaged better than five assists a game to Embiid specifically. You know, and so I think the two really did help each other, and James Harden is no longer the ball, well, he's still ball dominant, but he's not the leading scorer of your franchise anymore. He doesn't have that skill set, doesn't have that endurance anymore. Uh, he can do it in spurts. He can carry you for a game one in Boston without Embiid. I get that, but... Uh, you know, in a, it, so if we're investing in a future, I'm investing in Boston's because of the age of both Tatum and of uh, Jalen Brown. The style of the offense has to change. They cannot be as reliant, dependent um, upon the three-point shot. So that has to change for Boston. Style-wise, I like Philly better, but future-wise, I'm, I'm choosing Boston. All right. All right. It's your last chance to get your finals predictions in. CC call in line is open, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, just hours away from tip-off between Miami and Denver in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. We're taking your call next, MVP, outright series pick, you name it. We want to hear it right here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Courtney Cronin, and Randy Scott holding it down on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Right here on a Thursday afternoon leading into game one of the NBA Finals on ESPN Radio, which you can hear coming up right after we get off air here in just about an hour. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We want to hear from you about your predictions of the NBA Finals. What's going to happen? Who's going to win MVP? Will the Heat be able to pull off the upset of all upsets after pulling off upset upon upset upon upset throughout the postseason? And, Randy, I know that we were talking earlier about the idea that, like, this is good for basketball, that you don't – we wanted we wanted L.A. and Miami because the bi-coastal thing is really cool and those markets are the biggest in, in sports. But yeah. having a team like Denver – a team that has never gotten to this point before is great for the sport because the transition period the NBA is now entering where we don't know how much longer LeBron James is going to play. We don't know what the Golden State Warriors and their dynasty is going to look like beyond this season. Having new blood in the mix along with a team that was in the conference finals three of the last four years in Miami, it it brings more eyeballs to a product that already has a lot of them, but to like expand where those eyeballs are looking can't ever be a bad thing. No, I I, I think getting into the mountain time zone. I mean, you think about you know what Phoenix has going on, what Denver has going on. I mean, there's plenty of star power there. There's a brand that has been coastal, right? By coastal with Kevin Durant, right? He's been in Brooklyn. He's been with the Golden State Warriors. He's played in some of the biggest media markets in the country, and now he's in Phoenix. Uh, Nikola Jokic has the hardware, you know, a two-time MVP, and he is now playing on the league's biggest stage. And he's the reason they've gotten there. It's not, you know, it's a little different from uh, an established star who won MVPs earlier in his career, and then he goes ring chasing, you know, later in life and is sort of a Gary Payton on on the 06 heat. You know what I mean? Like, like Gary Payton got a ring with, with Dwayne Wade and them, you know, and same with Jason Williams, you know, white chocolate got a ring because he was, he was ring chasing at the end of his career. Nikola Okic is the reason the Denver Nuggets are here. He is going to showcase a skill set. You know, I think if you're playing fantasy sports, if you're betting, you know, on player props or whatever it is, you're aware of how good Jokic is from that perspective. And you look at the MVPs, you say, great. But the eye test is so different, Courtney. It's mm-hmm. just so different. And when you can actually see the impact that he has that doesn't show up in a box score, when you can see what the ball fakes do, when you can see the passing, you know, if this were the NHL and we had secondary assists, I mean, Jokic's numbers would be through the roof. Like the offense that he creates, he truly is the spoke in the wheel. So when you see, or rather the the hub of the wheel, I should say. So we wouldn't, because I don't know what how wheels work. When you say uh, that you know the Heat are going to throw, oh, they're going to throw a zone at him, whatever. He's going to pick that zone apart. He is one of one when it comes to big men with that passing ability and that skill. And it, it, there's there truly isn't anything short of 
I don't know, a box and one or something that, that Miami could run at him, and, and either way, he's going to get his. So he's going to show out, and that's why I agree with a lot of these calls that are calling in and saying, hey, not only is he never going to win, but Jokic is going to get another MVP for his trophy case. All right, Randy just teased it right there. We want to hear from you. CC call in line is open, 888-SAY-ESPN. Mitch in Mississippi, your pick for the finals and finals MVP is? My pick for the finals is Denver and five. And the MVP has got to be the Joker um, just because I think Miami's going to really want to make sure that Murray gets taken care of. My man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for the call. I mean, how how can you not look at Nikola Jokic and the triple-double machine that he not only has been in the regular season, which many believe is why he should have won the MVP. He's already a two-time MVP, but could have won his third. But beyond that... How difficult he is. Like, what what a monumental task that's going to be for Bam Adebayo and company to try to figure out how to contain him because you can't, you can only hope to limit him. You can only hope to slow him down. And, and the Lakers certainly tried to do that and they failed in a very quick sweep. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think this will be a sweep. I, I like Nuggets in five. I like Nuggets in six. I feel like Miami is going to get theirs at least once or twice in this series. But if Nikola Jokic is kind of the key cog in everything that makes the Denver Nuggets work, and oh, by the way, you also have Jamal Murray on this team, it feels like that's the uphill battle of all uphill battles because of how many weapons they do have. So, okay, uh, give us real quickly, I, I agree with you. You know, Courtney, I, I think Denver wins. I think Denver wins a gentleman's sweep. You know, 5-1, to one, maybe they have to go back to Miami and win in Game 6. I think they win. Now, I've been wrong <laughs> on this Heat team for two rounds now. But I, I think they win. Uh, there is a path, though, that you outlined, and I can't remember who was on air or off, but you outlined you could see Denver or uh, Miami winning. In six or seven, potentially. How do they, how do they, how do they get there, then? How does, what's the path? Winning at home certainly helps. Yes. Because they of, take the first two at home? You'd take the first two at home. You'd even it back up. Potentially, it's 2-2 going back to Denver for game five. And then, as they've shown us, not in the Boston series necessarily, outside of the closeout game, they're very good in clutch time. They were one of the best teams in the regular season in clutch time, which again goes to my argument that they don't really care about the regular season outside of those minutes where it's just like, hey, let's close this out, let's win the game. They come into the postseason, along with Denver, who's also very good in the final five minutes of the game when it's between you know five and six points. They're good at when it, turning it on when they need to the most. So to me, those would be some very close games mm-hmm. down the stretch and, and put you in a situation where Miami could pull it out at the end. Might be after it looks um, yeah. probable. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll still take your calls on this. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Nuggets, Heat, who you got? Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.